What's the nature of your emergency? Good morning, police, fire, military, and families, and to everybody who is listening in on the Talk to Living podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and you know how much I love Tuesday mornings because I am not alone on Tuesday mornings. And this morning in particular, we have a very special guest. Her name is Heather Zumaraga. Heather, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Just tuning in now. For those of you who haven't read the show notes for today's episode, Heather is actually a Fox Business and Newsmax TV contributor, and she is also an author of an incredible book called The Man's Guide to Corporate Culture, which I devoured in a matter of hours, and it was so, so good. And Heather, you don't know this, but good morning to everybody who's just tuning in. I have five brothers, and I'm the only girl. And so with this shift in climate that we've seen, your book literally spoke to me because I have so many of the clients that I work with and people just in our inner circle whose biggest complaint is not knowing where their masculinity fits in anymore. And that's exactly what you you hone in on. And not only that, but you educate in order for people to be able to navigate that. So I know we're going to dive into that today. Good morning, everybody. And for everybody who is listening live, I am going to send one person a copy of Heather's book to whoever is the most engaged. And when I say engaged, I want you to take full advantage of Heather and her smarts and her experience by engaging with us, asking questions, asking each other questions. And um, Heather, I, I know that we have kind of this, this like subscript of things that we're going to go off of, but I just want to know why you even decided to write this book in the first place. Right. Well, obviously, I, I work in a, in a corporate setting in the private sector, not in the public sector. And that's where my experience is in the past and financial services. I work with a lot of good guys. Post Me Too movement, post COVID, politically sensitive culture we live in today and these new society norms. And I just wanted to help the good guys that I work with. Um, there are clear lines, obviously, black and white that you don't cross, but there are a lot of gray areas today. And as much as I would love to write a woman, a book on women's uh, how to succeed in the workplace or women's leadership, I actually thought there weren't any books helping the men out there today, that they were feeling left behind because society is so diverse and inclusive of everyone else, um, except for the men that um, I feel like it's such a new norm we live in and how to protect your reputation and your job. Yeah, yeah, that's a great response. How do you begin writing a book? I'm always told to do this. So was there somebody that you worked with to be able to to get your content published? Yeah, I'm very lucky. HarperCollins Leadership approached me. They have, um, if you're transitioning into a business career or you have one um, prior to the public sector, John C. Maxwell and Don Miller. You see his books if you're in the airport everywhere, uh, Business Made Simple or uh, many books on marketing. They are sales and business authors and they were expanding their women's lineup. They approached me. I came up with this idea, uh, The Man's Guide to Corporate Culture. And they can also apply to outside of the corporate culture in the, in the, um, in the public sector as well it, it, to your audience. I think um, it transitions to that also. Beautiful. Now, before I hopped on this interview for the past week or so, I've been making mention of who I was going to do interviews with. I do this often because I want to hear what other people's conversations are like, what's actually happening in the real world when it comes to the context of 
whatever my expert is that I have bringing in is about to talk about. And I was talking with somebody who works for a really large company and he said, you know what, to be honest, I avoid talking to females at all costs in the workplace. (laughs) And (laughs) so my rebuttal to him was that in and of itself could also be construed as being sexist. And so we started talking about just how convoluted and how confusing this is to navigate. And I know in your book, you actually have a percentage of, I think it's 60% of men that say that they hesitate to work with women. So why do you think that is? Yeah, well, sometimes if you're in a field like some of some of the people in your audience, you don't have a choice. You know, you can't change jobs. If, if your partner is a woman, you're stuck side by side, whether you want to be or not. Um, and that is true. Surveys said that 60% of men admitted um, not fear, but being uncomfortable working with a woman one-on-one. And um, if you type in Google, why do male managers, the autocomplete is avoid female employees. So I encourage you to try it. It's true. <laughs> and um, although I wish that wasn't the case and that wasn't happening, part of that the pendulum sometimes swings too far in one direction or the other. So I can't blame them for feeling that way. Um, in the book, The Man's Guide to Corporate Culture, there's a chapter, Let Mars Be Mars and Venus Be Venus. There was a book, I guess, more along the lines of dating. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, uh, I don't know, 10 or 20 years ago. And um, this is not about dating, but it's to our gender differences. And the American Psychological Association has cataloged plenty of them. For example, women uh, excel in verbal abilities. No surprise there, right? They say that we talk more than men or we, maybe I talk too much, but that is not the case. Actually, men and women speak the same amount of words per day, which you, which you wouldn't think. Um, women's reading comprehension uh, and writing consistently ex- exceeds men. Men, on the other hand, you juggle more things in short-term memory easily, great visual skills, great at uh, determining angles, tracking moving objects and hurling projectiles, which is great if you're <laughs> in an industry that you have to do that. But when you talk about the differences between men and women, it actually, some of these put men at a disadvantage to many of of the administrative aspects of your job that you do, because um, many of those administrative jobs have to do with typing notes and reading, crossing your I's, dotting your T's for compliance and so forth. They're not usually male strengths. You know, those are usually female strengths. So again, that's why I, I wanted to also write the book to some to help some of the good guys and the men that felt lost out. Yeah, we have all kinds of things going on in our comments here. So let's see what these are up to. Um, men are, yeah, men are being beaten to various forms of submission and then the results aren't liked by anyone. That's an amazing point, Bob, because I actually have this argument. I'll call out my husband for a second. When... When I was raised, I just shared with you, Heather, that I grew up in a home with five brothers and a very overprotective father. And when it comes to my household and the shifts and kind of changes that I've seen within my my own husband and his behavior, I want my man to show up and be the man in the relationship. So where is that sort of balance when it comes to having that masculinity and that dynamic of the strengths that females and males each show up with? Well, in the workplace, it's a dynamic then, say, your relationship with your spouse or if you're dating someone outside of the workplace. I think um, I'm all in favor of traditional gender norms. And I think actually marriages, and this is maybe off subject, but I think marriages work out better when whatever the traditional norm is of a woman and, and the man plays a male masculine role. I'm all in favor of that. 
Unfortunately, again, given the new norm, the politically sensitive culture we live in, without getting into politics, regardless of where you stand on either side, it has become a minefield. You have to be careful of what you say and how it can be interpreted on the other side. Nine times out of 10, for example, a woman may be fine with she's asked to be treated equally or the same way. So how you banter with men or locker room talk or one-on-one -on -one with another man, you may think, hey, the women are asking for this. They want to be treated equally, the exact mm -hmm. same, you know? And so you have to be careful because one woman out of 10 might be offended or more sensitive in some of the things that you say or how you speak outside of the workplace versus in the workplace. So I know one of the things you do so well in your coaching is identifying obstacles and problem behaviors. And that's not an obvious problem behavior, I wouldn't call it one, being masculine in the workplace. And mm -hmm. a lot of your audience, that's what they need to do on a daily basis. But my whole, the premise of the book was working with other women, protecting your job, protecting your reputation. And even people, um, the if, if you are a police officer and you're protecting women on the street, I think you should act differently with women than men. Now, I may get pushback. I'm sure I'll get a lot of pushback on that. But again, regardless of good, bad, right or wrong, that is the environment and society we live in today. You got to think, how will this be interpreted by the other person to protect yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that you mentioned in your book is actually walking into a room and gauging the temperature of the people around you before you even open up your mouth and start word vomiting all over the place. So talk to us a little bit more about some of the do's and the don'ts in the workplace. Right. Um, small talk, a moment of caring is a great way to bond with your coworkers as well as your subordinates or senior management. Um, <clears throat> it's basically a moment of caring through words. You know, being kind and considerate, regardless of the industry you work in, I think is very important. And in sales, um, I, I grew up with a sales background. We were told, don't ever talk about, don't, well, you can talk about yourself, but don't only talk about yourself. Uh, the word, using the word you is very important, showing that you care about the other person versus I. Um, safe subjects, you can discuss work projects, the weather, family, traffic, sports, even the stock market. Uh, do not, and you would think this is obvious, but it's not. Um, think of your family at Thanksgiving or Christmas at the table. Don't discuss religion, politics, or if you're in the office, office gossip, relationship drama, or crude jokes. And the reason it's not so obvious is because it keeps happening. There's a lot of inner office conflict. There is a lot of, and you know what? To be honest, a lot of employers are getting involved from top level management. And again, that's a subject for a different day on whether or not they should be getting involved um, in, in some of the uh, political arena outside of work. But do your best to stick to safe subjects. This is about keeping you out of trouble and protecting yourself. Um, I just, uh, I just think it's good to shy away. Even if you think like, Ashley, if I think you have the same ideology as me, I still don't know. So maybe, and it's okay for us to talk that way now, you know, we're, we're working together on the podcast, but we're not in the same office environment with each other. And it's just best to stick to safe subjects. Yeah, that's really helpful. I, I have a question from Eric Perkle in our group. And he says, how, how does she, you Heather, see the divide between the men and the women in the workplace in the future? And what can each do to learn this divide? Uh, well, I mean, going back, I, I would start with, a. I guess I studied um, 
I would start with the women's movement and how far we've come um, from the Mad Men era. When you think back, if you watch The Sopranos or you watch Mad Men, you know, we are not living in that society today, which is a good thing. hundred percent. No doubt about it. But like I said, with any movement, sometimes the, the pendulum shifts too far in the opposite direction. And so now the divide is like you have to walk on eggshells and it's a minefield that we live in almost um, to always be thinking and conscious of. How is this going to be perceived? What is the other side thinking? Um, there are more women working in the workplace, which is a good thing. Um, college educated women in the workplace. And prior to COVID, there were more women working than men. Now that trend has reversed as a lot of women have now, like myself, I've taken a step back, you know, to take care of my daughter. She's back in school now. Um, I don't know if you have kids, but to, you know, they were, the schools were shut down. How do you still work full time, especially in the jobs of your audience? You can't stay home in front of a computer and, t and teach your child while having that type of job that you need to be out in the field, out and about in that type of atmosphere. I don't think it's a work from home job. If you're fortunate enough like myself to have that, that's great. But in terms of navigating that divide, I think that's what the whole book is about. And hopefully it gives you some guidelines on, on how to do that. Um, and going forward in one of the last chapters, I, I talk about the future of, of the workplace. Um, I think it's, I don't wanna say it's going to get worse, but if you think there are challenges now, you need to embrace them and address them, figure out how to navigate those challenges now to protect yourself in the future. I don't think we're going, we're reverting to where women aren't in the workplace and society is not politically correct or very more sensitive than we were a few years ago. And I'm not making an opinion on whether that's good, bad, right or wrong. I take it for what it is and where do we go from here? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to call out all of our superiors who are listening right now because we have a lot of police chiefs, fire chiefs, people who might inadvertently or directly be involved in the hiring process. And I know that in your book, you make mention of the fact that sometimes men just don't even want to hire women anymore because of the, the nuance or it might be a difficult atmosphere or worried about the consequences of what could be if you do hire a female. So what advice, Heather, might you have to give to somebody who is in a, a position of hiring? Right. One uh, good piece of advice I had was anonymizing the resume. I guess this comes before you've actually hired that person. And if we are trying to embrace the idea of gender equality, there was a good study. It was Howard versus Heidi Roizen, where they were the exact same resume. One was a female, one was a woman, one was a man. And they covered up the, well, they didn't cover up the names. That's the thing. Heidi was seen with the exact same resume as nobody liked her. She was egotistical. She was full of herself. And Howard with the exact same connections and powerful resume and back, background was seen as someone that everybody wanted. He was a leader in his field and very hardworking. Again, mm -hmm. Same resume, one named Heidi, one named Howard. So my first line of, um, my first piece of advice would be to cover up the name. It's called anonymizing the resume so that maybe if you do have some type of unconscious bias about whether it's a female or a male, um, that's taken off the table right away. Once she's, once you've hired, let's say you've, you've hired a lot of women and you are her subordinate, uh, senior and she is your subordinate. In the office, for example, if you're giving performance evaluations and things like that, 
Um, keep the office door open, keep it open for everyone, regardless of gender, or have a transparent glass door if it is something very private and sensitive. Um, but that way there's no, um, there's no misunderstanding or miscommunication from someone on the outside looking in. And you, again, you're protecting yourself by either leaving the door open or if it's a private conversation, having a transparent glass door. That's very helpful. Michelle here commented that she's actually obviously a female and she is a barber. She works cutting hair. So she's kind of on the opposite side of this. And Heather, when I was reading your book, one way that I instantly knew like this is an incredible person who's definitely in my tribe was when you said that while you were working in the corporate culture, you considered yourself to be a minority and not a victim. So for all the females who are listening and who, who later listen to this on the podcast, what helps to build that kind of self-confidence and worth as a female in the workplace? Right. I mean, I, my dad growing up, like you grew up with five brothers and, um, you know, I have one older brother. I don't have any sisters either. He told me he never treated me any different from my older brother. And he never said anything about gender and recognizing. I mean, obviously, you know, he's like, you're a girl and he's a boy. But other than that, there was no making, um, a, a big deal putting weight on differences. It mm -hmm. was, there was, it didn't matter that I was a woman. Um, he told me to always do my best. There was never any limitation told or taught to me because I'm a woman. I can't exceed in a male dominated workplace. Like, um, like the, like the woman who just asked the question. She's obviously in a male industry. Don't let that hold you back. Use it to your strength, actually. And I don't, I'm very careful. I don't mean in a, in a sexual way. I mean that, for example, in the financial industry, more men or financial advisors or CEOs of big Fortune 500 companies, if they are male, are are more likely to speak with me just because I have a softer tone maybe when I come in the office or they're more, actually they might be more comfortable around me from a sales perspective than someone coming in who's 6'4", looking like a linebacker and is really in their face about you know selling some financial product or talking about the stock market. So use your innate strengths of, I, I think regardless of where you stand, um, there are some things that I spoke with many uh, psychologists and cognitive um, behavioral therapists that there are traits that innate that that are innate to women that men don't have. For example, we we are still the only gender that can have babies. Use those innate traits of being nurturing and kind and caring to actually succeed um, and propel and excel in your career. Because um, I'm not saying men can't have those same traits, but that can definitely help you. And you stand out. If you're a woman in a male-dominated profession, you stand out. Don't see it as a limitation or something that's negative. Embrace it um, and, and help it lead. Thank you. And before we wrap this up, what's coming up for me is I, I know so many people who are already in the midst of a toxic work environment that has something to do with gender relations, gender differences, the way that they're being treated. So what advice would you have to somebody who is maybe trying to, to understand or to gauge when enough is enough and it's time to get out? How do they go about even, even the process of, of stepping away? Right. Well, the first part of the process before you step away, see if there is some way that you can speak up. I have some mistakes in my past that ha that occurred 
in corporate settings and it doesn't matter what industry you're in. And I didn't say anything. I didn't have the confidence to do it. I didn't speak up. I didn't want to bother anyone. Um, there's a policy handbook somewhere. I guarantee you were given one. If not, it's in your email, find it or just, um, Ask HR. If it's about HR, that becomes tricky to navigate. But if it's not, I think it's okay to speak with that person directly in a way that's not offensive. And um, you have to speak up. Now, if you've done that and no change has happened and you feel helpless and every day you wake up hopeless, um, yeah, if you can financially make a change, I know some people feel stuck in a position where they can't, but start applying for jobs at least while you are employed. Um, look other places, start networking. And how you know it's time is if you've tried to do these things of approaching HR, looking in the policy handbook, um, speaking with that person, whether a senior or subordinate one-on-one. -on -one. And if you, if you, if you can't and you can make a move elsewhere, it's time to go. It's time to go. You know, it's not worth it every day to live your life um, waking up that way where you don't you feel like you're in a toxic work environment um, that I, that's why they need you, Ashley. That's why they come to you and you help them with that. And, and um, thanks for everything you do helping people. That, that means so much. And that's very helpful. Yeah, Bob, toxic work environment, really speak up or get out. And yeah, I think I think what you just touched on, Bob, too, was having a confidant, somebody else that you can actually vent to and, and reach out to when when it comes to having that <laughs> disclaimer. Yes. Having that toxicity in your life. And Heather, how can people get a hold of you? How can they get in touch with being able to purchase your book? What's the what's the rod if somebody has additional questions or maybe wants to interview you or, or 